What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. I am your host, Damani, Tiger, Nader. And damn, our boy Joe Joyce got cooked. He got fried bad. Unfortunately, we've only got that fight to report on this week since this weekend was kind of a dry week for boxing. Don't really have that much going on. But I would like to touch bases with everybody on Jared Anderson. Since he did put George Edias out of commission, he was also an undefeated fighter. But it seems like right now is the prime time for Jared Anderson to either get across the pond and fight one of the UK heavyweights or seriously put his name in the hat to get in that heavyweight championship mix. Now, I know a lot of guys like Tim Bradley do not want Jared Anderson in the top flight of the heavy division just yet since the heavies are kind of in a pretty bad back-and-forth situation regarding contractual obligations, mandatories, actually challenging for the belts, not to mention the whole situation regarding Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. I don't think we will be seeing an undisputed fight this year or anytime soon, the rate that Tyson Fury is going, like I mentioned on the show last week. Now, the most likely opponent for Jared Anderson would be Daniel Dubois, who is the WBA champ. I mean, hopefully if he had accepted, I'd love to go over this overseas, you know, um, I've definitely been trying to get overseas to make one of those fights. Him, Dane Dubois, any of them guys over there, I'd love to fight him. Joe, Joe, Joe Joyce as well? I'd love to fight him. I mean, he already in title contention, so I'm sure I'll see him at the top very soon. Regular status, of course, he does not have the full belt, but he still is a world champion. But... Daniel Dubois is in line to fight Alexander Usyk next, so that does create some problems for Jared Anderson. Now, as far as American heavyweights go, I don't, I don't want to see him in there with anybody like Coffee. I don't like all, all those other heavyweights. It's, it's just played out now. I would like to see him against somebody like Philip Hergovich. Philip Hergovich, that is definitely a makeable fight. There is no reason that that fight does not get made. Hergovich, he just fought Gilles Zhang, who just fought Joe Joyce. And broke up George Joyce face. But it's all about the politics at this point in time. I just had an excellent conversation with Need Loop, who is a member of the Park School. Hate to get politicky with my school and stuff like that. But a lot of that has to do with the politics of the sport. It's it's just business now. At this point, it's just business. It's not even about rankings anymore. It's purely business. Whatever makes sense on paper, whoever brings the most zeros. Whoever brings the most streams in, that's who these guys are going to want to work with. But obviously, I don't care about any of that. The politics of boxing stops so many so many of these great fights from happening that I've just completely lost care for it. And I'm just con- going to continue to matchmake as best as I can for you guys. Because the fights that make the most sense often aren't necessarily the fights that are going to bring the most money in. Like David Benavidez and Canelo. Everybody knew David Benavidez was next up, next up, next up. Even Charlo at a point in time, he was next up. But the politics got in the way. People don't want to see fights like that just continuously disintegrate because of business. It's just, it's really frustrating when you get into that weird, nasty portion of boxing that really has less to do with the fighters and more to do with the guys who are sitting at the table, the crusty old white dudes. That's just how it goes. But it's out of our hands. 
We are officially five days away from the biggest fight of the year. I've been talking about it on this show forever, even before it was officially confirmed, contract signed, and now we are here. Five days away from Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. I've been talking about this fight with everyone under the sun. Even people who don't even watch boxing know about this fight. When I say that this is the biggest fight that boxing has to offer at this point in time, I am not trying to disrespect Canelo Alvarez. He has a big fight against John Ryder coming up May 7th as well. But the pure notoriety of Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Tank Davis, it just spilled out into the real world. Boxing is a really niche sport. Not that many people really pay attention to it year in, year out. 365 days out of the year, you usually have like give or take two, maybe three pay-per-views a month. Depending on who you're watching, you might be watching Pro Box TV. You might be watching Showtime. Of course, you might be watching Top Rank as well. Other ones like DAZN, who typically have fight nights every now and then. This, respectfully, is the biggest fight. I hope that both men are getting paid well. I did see that Eddie Hearn in that email to Tank he was supposed to make $10 million. I don't know if that's still confirmed because, of course, he did leak his own payday. But either way, I know that this fight is going to be major. Like I mentioned to you guys the last episode, Ryan Garcia, he has to work on his defense. He's suffered thoroughly, especially against Luke Campbell, with dropping his hand. Now, I have seen ryan's training footage him on the bag i haven't seen any sparring of him recently probably because his team wants to keep that under wraps but in his bag work videos basically all of his bag work videos all of his pad work videos he still drops his right hand when he throws that power left hook now we do know that that is ryan garcia's specialty shot that is his knockout shot his trademark shot is his check left hook if not his check his standard left hook which is a very powerful shot if he connects clean, that is a knockout shot. Specialty shot, like I just said. But the fact that he throws that and he leaves his guard hand, his right hand, low against Tank, who is a southpaw, that's easy access for a lead right hand or a left overhand. It's just imperative that Ryan Garcia keeps his right hand up through the entire duration of the fight. Because if he drops it, I don't see him making it out against Tank. Especially if this is a 12-rounder, which it most likely is. He's not going to make it the full 12 with Tank. He's definitely going to get knocked out. If he has any hope of survival against Tank, who is the naturally shorter and smaller man, he has to keep his hand up. I don't care if you're a boxing pundit. I don't care if you're a boxer as well, like me. I don't care if you're just a spectator who has absolutely zero knowledge surrounding the sport. You have to consider the fact that this man Tank will knock Ryan Garcia out if he does not have that right hand up. He has to have his guard strong against Tank because we did see Tank's last fight against Hector Garcia in January of this year, early part of the year. He didn't knock Garcia out clean, but he still did leave lasting damage on him in between rounds, which led him to quit on the stool. Tank's shots rock your brain. That is just a fact. They shake your brain. Imagine if this man, Ryan Garcia, steps into this fight with his defense whack. I'm sorry, y'all, but this man is going to get knocked out. He's got to get in that gym. 
and he's got to figure that out within these next five days. So really the keys to victory for Tank Davis in this fight are going to have to be staying in range that gives him access to power punches. If he stays on the outside with Ryan Garcia, it's not going to end up well because he obviously has the reach advantage. Height, let's take height out of the equation for just a moment. Consider the reach difference between Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. At this point in time, if you have been following these two men's careers for the last three, two years, you would know that Ryan Garcia obviously has the better reach. He has the naturally longer arms between the two of them, which means if Tank Davis is to fight on the outside for the duration of the fight, all 12 rounds, he is most likely going to lose jab for jab. He won't be able to land that unless he's at mid to close range. A long range fight is obviously going to favor Ryan Garcia, which is potentially what I'm predicting that he and his team has been practicing as of late. They probably would be working more so on the outside work, tricking people into believing that, hey, Ryan Garcia is going to fully use that left hook. He's fully going to chance that left hook, and that's it. His team is probably preparing for all of the offense that Tank has to offer at close and mid-range and negating it by just fighting on the outside, which is what fighters like Sebastian Fundora should have done. Fight on the outside when you have the reach advantage. He's definitely going to try to use his physical advantages over Tank, but for now, it's best for Tank at this point in time to seriously not think that that left hook is just going to be free eats. Of course, the head movement is always going to be there to take that left hook away from him. On top of that, him being a southpaw, having his lead foot on the outside, having the right foot on the outside is of utmost importance as a southpaw. So those two things are usually what you'll see a southpaw work on. Gauging distance, having their lead foot on the outside. That's what gives them the quickest access to knockout power shots. And for Tank, obviously, we know that Tank has a very strong right hand. He has a very strong left hand. So both hands he can knock you out with. And Ryan Garcia, like I mentioned earlier, that defense is going to either make or break him. As far as fights for the future go, we have May 7th, Canelo Alvarez versus John Ryder for the undisputed super middleweight championship of the world, 168 pounds. And then back down at 135 pounds on May 20th, we have the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, Devin Haney, taking on Vasily Lomachenko. The Matrix is back, but this time it is his biggest test yet. Teofimo Lopez, that was obviously a very great fight. He started slow lost his title Teofimo became the undisputed champion now the division has gone left right left right George Cambosos now we've got Devin Haney as undisputed champion it's really crunch time for the lightweight division when I told you guys that these fights were going to be coming rapid fire in the lightweight division and in the heavyweight division I meant it because now we are having a legacy defining fight for Devin Haney Devin Haney's been calling out Lomachenko pretty much since he was 17 18 years old so He's finally getting his wish. This man is going to have to bring his 100% when it comes to Lomachenko. Because against Virgil Ortiz, it was pretty obvious that Lomachenko, he slowed down a bit. But as far as his footwork and his ring IQ is concerned, he's still fighting like he's 20 years old in the amateur. So it, it, it really has less to do with Lomachenko's age and more so to do with his skills. Because as we've seen with people like Triple G, of course, the speed may decrease. But their mentality surrounding the fight, 
their fight IQ, it doesn't change much. The last thing is always the fight IQ. You're never going to see somebody who's had an extended career, whether that's in the amateurs or in the professional ranks, that their fight IQ just like goes away the second they hit like 34, 33, sometimes even 35 years old. That is always the last thing to go. For heavyweights, that's obviously the power. But for the lower weight divisions, it is always the mentality, the ring IQ, and the ring generalship as well. The distance management is always going to be there when you have a veteran fighter. Now, Lomachenko, he's obviously more than a veteran fighter. He was almost undisputed champion. So I think that Devin Haney, like I just said, he's going to have to bring his 100%. I've been seeing him training during Ramadan. He's been staying on his deem. He's been getting him his sparring. Pad work has been looking nice. Bag work has been looking excellent. So there's no reason for me to say that he's not in good shape to be able to walk into this fight and take this fight as not just the undisputed champion, but as Devin Haney, the showstopper. Devin Haney, the man who would defeat Lomachenko. I, I see all of it. I see it. Now, the odds makers, they're going to have their own opinion on this because we know how Vegas works. They want to make the biggest dollar for everybody. But I'm telling you, from fight experience, Devin Haney, more likely than not, is going to take this by unanimous decision. Can I see an upset for, upset for Lomachenko? Yes, I can. That is 100% possible. But the likelihood of that happening is low in comparison to Devin Haney's last performances. What's really going to give Haney trouble is the footwork. That's always going to give a fighter trouble regardless of how good you are from the outside you can have a beautiful jab you can have a beautiful cross but Lomachenko will take that away from you with his footwork the way Lomachenko creates angles is so unique that I think Devin Haney that's really just going to be his main issue just trying to figure out how to stop Lomachenko on the feet how is he going to stop his attack pattern his l-stepping his weight shifting from giving him access to easy punches he really has to just focus on that specifically Take away Lomachenko's footwork and just beat him up. This week's episode is a bit of a shorter one. We don't really have much to talk about. The WBC, WBA, they've been trying to make moves to get the undisputed championship situation figured out. But obviously that hasn't been working. So the guys in Saudi Arabia tried to arrange some four-man tournament between Usyk, Fury, Wilder, and... Andy Ruiz, and that apparently hasn't worked out either, so I, I have no idea what's happening at this point with the heavyweight division. They're, they're either going to figure it out, care enough about the stability of the division and the belts, the integrity of the championships themselves, or everybody's just going to be continue to be motivated by money and only taking what, what makes the most sense to them on paper. So I, I, I generally do I, I would generally like to say that the heavyweight division is really stalling right now. We're in a dark age where the, not only are the belts scattered, everybody only cares about their record and everybody only cares about the money. It's not even about fighting the best anymore because if Tyson Fury was the champion that he claims to be, he would take those fights. He would, he would, he would most definitely fight Usyk and then fight Wilder again for a fourth time. If he truly cared about himself, and what he represents as a champion as well. He would fight Usyk for the undisputed title, and then win or lose, fight Wilder one more time, and then probably retire. But that's not the roadmap that we have laid out for him. We, we literally have no roadmap for him or the rest of the heavyweights right now. So at this point, we just got to say a prayer and keep it moving because it seems like the heavyweight division is just stalled. 
And I hope it hasn't been stalled for an extended period of time because it's just it's not looking good. It's not looking good. Whether that's top rank, like I mentioned earlier, with our boys over there, whether that's the zone, Anthony Joshua coming off his win against Franklin. Now they're saying Dillian White again. PBC, Deontay Wilder, still waiting for a fight. Hasn't been able to make Andy Ruiz happen yet. And then it's just, it's back-to-back, just stall, 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 stall. So I would really just recommend everybody just pay attention to the lower weight classes. Heavyweight is not it right now at all. Got to keep it 100 with you guys. It is not it at all. Word to my mother. Word to everything I love. Heavyweights are suffering right now. It is... It is the dark ages, (laughs) like I said a few seconds earlier. It is the dark ages. But that is all for this week's episode of DQ with Damani. I am blessed to be able to bring you these episodes during Ramadan. Last day of fasting is this Thursday. I am glad that I was able to work through the fasting. All of that and still being able to train, bring you guys content, talk about the sport that I love. And I'm always eternally appreciative of you all joining me and choosing this podcast for your weekly source of boxing news and lifestyle. I'm your host, Damani Mater. Be safe and God bless.